Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carroll. Though you may not realize that the ongoing threat of terrorism is affecting your life and that of your loved ones. Each week, Dr. Carroll analyzes the hottest topics in terror and helps you and your family reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. Crossing Borders, Terrorists on the Move. Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, a psychiatrist and your terrorist therapist. Well, you may have heard that there were two Yemeni men who recently uh, crossed from the Mexican border into America. And uh, there is a cover-up involved with these men. And I will be talking to you about them, telling you about the whole story. You know, the most interesting part really um, is the cover-up aspect of it. And first, let me ask you, why do you think you should care that two terrorists have just crossed the border into the US? Well, first of all, because you only need one to be a suicide bomber and kill and injure scores of people. And also because if two people got across that we know about that somehow managed quietly to get into the news and then were covered up, how many more weren't court caught? Um, we, this was predicted long ago that there are terrorists uh, crossing the border and um, yet Biden has invited everyone in. So it's not only a border crisis because of COVID, a lot of people coming across are COVID positive. And it's not only a crisis because of taxes, we are having to pay higher taxes to take care of all the people who come in and who can't afford to take care of themselves. And it's also a crisis because there is a, this is not uh, by coincidence or by, um, neglect, um, there's a reason for Biden opening the doors, notably to affect the elections and um, to go along with his Marxist policies or the people behind him really who are pushing Marxist policies and so on. And uh, the thing is, if you think that only two terrorists have crossed the border from Mexico in recent times, think again. I did a podcast two years ago that I would invite you to listen to. It's called The Dirty Dozen. And two years ago, and I talk about um, in that podcast, 12 different men who crossed the border and who um, were known terrorists and who were already, um, at least some of them had been arrested for um, plotting terrorist attacks and various other nefarious things. So that is why we should be concerned. Now, before I get into these two Yemeni men and the cover-up, I want to um, look at a totally other um, way that terrorists 
uh, are being handled, other countries, I should say, who are protecting themselves against terrorists coming in across their borders. And in particular, I'm going to be talking about two ISIS brides, one of them from France and one of them from the UK. And um, in, in those cases, France and the UK and other European countries, Germany, Belgium, and so on, they are very, very careful about who they are letting in. In fact, they are making um, people who want to come back uh, from the Middle East, you know, who are in um, Syrian camps and want to come back to their country. Um, they are making them go through legal processes and all kinds of, you know, each country is just doing it slightly differently, but they are doing it in a very organized um, or trying to be organized uh, way, not to say that there aren't some um, terrorists who are sneaking across their borders, but it is not anything like the United States. They are not invited to come into these European countries. In fact, they are scrutinized. The majority of them are scrutinized and the majority of them are not taken back into their country. So, um, so let's look at these two ISIS brides. Um, one you may have already heard about, she heard uh, efforts to get back into the UK have been going on for quite a while. Her name is Shamima Begum. And she, um, she is in, currently in legal limbo. She is in Syria in a camp um, run by Kurds. And um, she has not been, you know, there have been all kinds of legal processes in the UK uh, in regard to her and she's appealed and so on. It's gone back and forth, but basically they uh, ultimately decided that they didn't want to bring her in to the UK to um, fight for her appeal. In other words, they said that in order for her to, um, in, a, in a fair way, fight her appeal, fight for her, you know, to try to appeal, uh, to be let back in, that she should be in the UK to do it. And but then they're saying, no, she can't come into the UK to, you know, go to court to fight this because that's too much of a terrorist risk, too much danger. So that is why she is in legal limbo and has been for quite some time. And um, and, you know, of course, it still has a lawyer and is still trying to fight this. But who is Shamina Shamima Begum? She is one of three East London schoolgirls who traveled to Syria in February, 2015. She supported ISIS. Um, she was born in the UK to parents of Bangladeshi heritage, and she was 15 when she left. She went to Turkey first, um, and then to ISIS headquarters, and she married a Dutch recruit, you know, a Dutch um, ISIS uh, fighter, and he is the father of her children. She is now 21. She's lived under ISIS rule for more than three years. Now she's in a Syrian camp. Um, she was found nine months pregnant in a Syrian refugee camp in February, 2019. Her baby died later of pneumonia and she had previously lost two other children. Um, when she was found, 
the UK canceled her British citizenship because of security issues. Now, um, she, there were two of the two other girls, two other schoolgirls who came with her. Uh, one was named Khadiza Sultana. She was killed in a bombing raid. And then the fate of the third girl is not uh, definitively known. Her name was Amira Abbasi, and, but it is, thought, it is thought that she is dead. Now, what's so interesting, and you will hear this in regard to um, the second uh, ISIS bride who I'm gonna tell you about, who is um, from France, both of these women um, came to ISIS, joined ISIS support to support ISIS because they wanted to marry an ISIS soldier uh, because of problems that they had in their native countries, you know, in the UK and France with finding a good man. <laughs> good men are hard to find. So, you know, you go marry an ISIS soldier, right? Um, now, each one had a slightly different story in regard to that, but, um, and, and in particular, uh, the second ISIS bride that I'm going to tell you about now is, um, her name is Amelie Koenig, and um, she has a particularly um, sad and interesting story of what happened to her. She's now 36, but um, she fled when um, in 2012, so she was in her 20s. And um, the reason why the two of them are in the news now, although quite frankly, <laughs> you kind of have to search for it. It's not, I don't know that you would have heard it on mainstream media. Um, but the reason why they're in the news these days is because both of them uh, are, have adopted Western clothes. They are trying to convince their countries, you know, the UK and France, that they are no longer terrorists. You know, they no longer support the ISIS ideology, um, as these countries should tell by the fact that they are wearing Western clothes. Um, so the question is, is it true that they really have rejected radical Islamist beliefs? Or is this just a, a sham? You know, are they just trying to pretend, trying to convince, just dressing like this because they're trying to convince their countries to take them back? Or a third possibility, quite frankly, um, when you look at pictures of them and their friends, some of their friends are doing the same thing uh, as far as wearing Western clothes. You know, is it really just that they think these clothes are cool and, um, and they prefer to, uh, to look like Westerners. I mean, when you look at some of the pictures, not only of these two women, but of um, some of the women who they are friends with, um, it, they could be they could be standing in a mall. I mean, a mall pre pre pandemic, you know, when there were people at malls, and now perhaps at some malls that are uh, having people come back. But I mean, they they look really. Um, it, just like typical Western uh, young women. Well, I'm going to stop here. And when we come back, I'll tell you more about these two ISIS brides. And then we will eventually um, go back to the two Yemeni men who crossed over from Mexico. And the point of this is to look at the difference between the United States and Europe in how well each country is protected 
from the possibility that these people are uh, not only that they're terrorists, but that they still have terrorist intentions. So stay tuned. Welcome back to the Terrorist Therapist Show, where we're talking today about crossing borders, terrorists on the move. Um, we're talking about how comparing two ISIS brides, Shamima Begum and Emily Koenig, um, and how they are currently in, um, they had gone to join, to become, they had gone to, uh, to ISIS territory to become ISIS brides. And they are now in the same uh, Syrian camp. Uh, they were captured by the Kurds and they're now in these camps. And the reason why this has come into the news is because um, Emily Koenig, the woman from France, is copying what Shamima Begum has done in terms of wearing Western dress as part of their efforts to convince their countries, uh, Shamima Begum from the UK and Emily Koenig from France, to convince their countries that they indeed have renounced um, their ISIS beliefs and they just want to come home and be regular, <laughs> regular uh, folk. Okay, so um, so let's look at um, Emily. She um, she is wearing um, well. First of all, when she lived in France before she went to the Middle East to become an ISIS bride, bride she already wore. She was already wearing. Uh, black veils and gloves and robes. And um, now she's wearing a hooded sweatshirt, sunglasses, faux leather, le faux leather leggings, white um, sneakers, you know, athletic shoes, and a shoulder bag. She wears a Yankees baseball cap and she has her hair in a braid, like in a ponytail braid. And it's, uh, she's dyed it, you know, I don't know how in this, um, it's, it's kind of amazing that in these really impoverished, uh, difficult uh, camps, you know, the conditions are incredibly sad um, and difficult, but somehow these women, at least these two, have found a way, and there were more too, who, more who were wearing Western dress, but um, they, they have they found a way to dye their hair some of their hair blonde, they have blonde streaks. Um, so, so that's what I meant when I was saying about how they could look like they would, could, they would fit in in an, Amer in an American mall or for that matter, in a Western European mall or street. Um, so now, um, so she is, um, She's trying to, uh, Emily is just like, um, just like Shamima, Emily is trying to get back into France. Now, um, she, now she's saying that when she left for Syria in 2012 and joined ISIS, that she wrecked her life, doing that wrecked her life. Uh, she says, I wanna go home to France. I have my family there. I want to start my life over and right my mistakes. 
Now, she has a super, from a psychiatric point of view, she has a very interesting, uh, well, they all do, you know, I'm sure. But we're talking about Emily right now from France. She has a very, you can see why she joined, uh, why she left France and became an ISIS bride. Um, so she grew up in Brittany. She was the daughter of a French police officer who abandoned the family when she was two years old. And she converted to Islam while she was still living in France. Uh, she said that this happened when she was 17 years old, two years after she dropped out of school. Um, she married a man who was an Algerian, France, she married a man who was an Algerian drug trafficker because she was working before that she was working at a nightclub and she was dating several men as a teenager i mean clearly um being abandoned by her father at two years old directed the rest of her life it's because of that that she wound up in um isis territory and wanted to become was so desperate that she became an isis bride now granted there would be people who said well she already uh, converted to Islam when she was in France. I mean, she was a lost soul is what she was. I mean, you know, she worked in nightclub dating several men as a teenager. Uh, she was a lost soul and she was looking, looking for something to belong to and looking for a man to love her. Um, she is described as having been an angry young, young woman who blamed society for her father's abandonment of the family and her inability to find a stable relationship. Um, her Algerian husband, now this is in France, remember, she, she's, he was abusive to her. Of course, she let, ended up um, marrying someone who was abusive, and they divorced, and she left Brittany for Paris, and then she, when she went to Paris, she started wearing a full-face veil, and, um, and then she talked about going to Syria where she would, where she dreamed of meeting, quote, a real man, a brave Muslim who could support a family and children and so on. That is what she said. Um, so she left her two children in France. She abandoned them. I mean, you know, look at that. That happens so often, unfortunately. Uh, children who are abandoned, either they, they go do the opposite it and they are they dote on their children or they end up you know abandoning their children as well making life choices that uh lead them into abandoning their children and um she she changed her name when she got to syria she to umu tawab she married a belgian isis fighter they had three children uh, including twins before he was killed. And she became a potent recruiter for ISIS. She was in a lot of propaganda videos. Um, and that is how she got to be on the UN and US terrorist blacklists. She's accused of recruiting hundreds of people to join ISIS. <coughs> Um, she is shown in videos uh, training with a shotgun. Another video, she had an AK-47, um, making a, the hand gesture, the jihadi hand gesture that signifies one God and one religion. And then in 2017, she was captured by Kurdish fighters and she's taken to a prison camp along with her children.
Now, her children, France allowed her children to be brought back, but they left her at the camp and she's still fighting to return, which is why she is, well, which is, may well be why she, or one of the reasons why she is dressing to, um, you know, to, she says she's dressing to get used to my returning. She has hopes, high hopes. She wants to work as an accountant in France. Um, and, you know, she wants to rejoin her children and, and, uh, and be an accountant. She says, when I do return, I won't be able to wear a veil. Um, on the job, in the job I want to do, you can't wear it. <laughs> no kidding. Um, she, she says that she arrived in Syria after she met someone online and agreed to marry him. And she was one of the first of hundreds of French citizens to join ISIS. But you know, again, she was so she had this uh, fantasy of what it would he would be like and what life would be like there. And so she left to um, to become his bride. Um, she sent her children home. She allowed her three youngest children to go home. That was you know she gets credit for that. It was a six year old boy and twin girls who were four. Um, then, um, again, she, she talks about long live France. She's really, she's really trying to convince people. She, she, you know, she'll be a good little accountant when she gets back. Um, she went on a hunger strike in March because she was so desperate to see her children. She hoped that if she went on a hundred hunger strike, that maybe she would be sent back to France. But after eight days, she realized that there was no point, that they weren't going to pay any attention to that. And so she stopped. Um, now, in France, there have been people, relatives and right, rights groups, who have been urging Paris to bring back, uh, right now, it's around 80 women and 200 children from these camps. But in France, you know, as you know, especially if you've been listening to this podcast, I talk a lot about the uh, terrorist attacks in France. So this is not a time when the French authorities are um, likely, you know, are, are feeling comfortable about uh, bringing back people who had once not only, you know, become a, a jihadi bride, but also who was in these, um, these uh, recruiting uh, videos with guns and so on. You know, you can understand why, why they're not anxious to bring back one more person, especially with that history. Um, she's trying, she's begging to come back. She says, I'm a prisoner here. She talks about losing teeth and suffering from hip and knee problems. She says, I don't have a phone. I don't have my children. Living conditions are difficult. Um, she talks about returning to France and says, I don't care about people not accepting me. I live for myself, my children, and my family. So there we go. There we have it. Um, these two women who very interesting stories. Again, this is this is such so typical of the stories of women going to um, to the Middle East to become ISIS Georgie Hadi brides. Um, and this is such a typical story where her father abandoned her when she was two years old. She then she uh, had trouble with men, and then she married a, a man who abused her. And so, of course, she it's very easy when you see these men on the internet 
and they are promising you a wonderful life and that they'll love you forever and all that. It's very easy when you come from that kind of a background to want to believe that and to travel to the Middle East to find it. When we come back, we'll go back now to the story about the two Yemeni men and the very different um, situation that they are in, how easy it is for them to come back or to come, not even to come back. They weren't citizens in the first place, whereas these women were citizens of their countries, of France and the UK. Um, but here are two Yemeni men who just walked into the US like it was uh, going across the street for an ice cream cone. <laughs> All right, <laughs> stay tuned. Welcome back to the Terrorist Therapist Show where we're talking about crossing borders, terrorists on the move. Um, you know, I had to laugh uh, about what I just said in, in the previous segment. <laughs> the first thing on my mind is going across the street to get an ice cream cone. Somehow, I don't think that's the first thing on the two, on the minds of the two Yemeni men who uh, crossed the border from Mexico into the United States, but you got my point. <laughs> All right, so we just talked about these two women, jihadi brides, who are begging to come home to France and to the UK and are really in legal limbo and not being welcomed back. They have been struggling for years to return to their countries, their home countries where they were citizens. And so now I'm contrasting that with um, the latest news of two Yemeni men who recently crossed the border between Mexico and the US. And um, they were on the FBI terror watch list and they were also on the no fly list. Now, again, I mean, fortunately they were caught by the customs and border protection agents. But again, the reason why this is significant is because if two of them crossed, uh, we know that there were a lot and got caught. We know that there were untold numbers, literally, un literally untold, because there's a cover-up about these two men. Um, untold, unknown to some degree. I mean, the the, the total numbers um, are unknown because they slip in, and untold because there are cover-ups. Well, in the Biden administration now, there are cover-ups, as you well know, uh, with Trump. A wall was built and um, immigration was uh, and, and people slipping across the border, illegal immigrants were, um, the numbers were cut down very sharply. And it has been a flood since Biden has taken office. And, um, and for him to say, his, he and his administration to say that, um, oh, you know, there aren't really that many or terrorists aren't coming across. As I mentioned earlier at the beginning, um, and I refer you to a podcast that I did two years ago called The Dirty Dozen, which talked about 12 specific terrorists who had been caught after, not at the border. These are terrorists who had crossed the border and had gone into various cities across America and were caught, were arrested for various reasons. And so we then found out about their terrorist roots. So that was a, the dirty dozen two years ago. And even then, of course, there were many more who went across. I mean, not, not like today, many more, but I mean, we know if there were 12, we know of 12 who got caught in all these cities 
all over America, we know there had to have been more, but this is nothing compared to what there is now. So let me tell you about the two Yemeni men who were caught very, we, you know, their names have not been released. All we know is the first suspect uh, is 33 years old. He was caught on January 29th at approximately 1.10 a.m. local time after he tried to cross the border illegally about three miles west of the Calexico port of entry, which is, you know, in California. Um, it's the El Centro station in Calexico. And he um, had a cellular phone SIM card hidden inside the insole of his shoe. Now, that is fascinating. That's all that's all that's been released so far. But um, who, you know, what numbers? I mean, you know, that will hopefully, now that they've been caught, that will hopefully provide um, significant information about um, other people, other terrorists who are already in the United States. You know, who are you gonna call, right? Who are you gonna call when you cross the border? Um, so that part is good that, that there's going to be some intelligence um, discovered from that. The second Yemeni man was 26 years old and he was picked up by border agents on March 30th at approximately 11.30 p.m. Now, um, the, there was a, the Customs and Border Protection agents put out a press release after they caught these men. And less than 24 hours later, the press release and photos of the men were removed. Now there are some photos online of the men, but their eyes, there's a black bar going across their eyes. So you can, you know, you can only, you can't totally, you can, you know, it's hard to recognize them. I mean, it, it, there are certain, obviously you're just covering their eyes. And so there are certain features that you can recognize, but the idea is to um, hide their identity. So um, less than 24 hours after this press release was posted and, and the photos of the men were removed, um, you know, it, 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 they, and you, when you went to that spot, it said something like, um, oh, you know, it was some other word like um, this has been deleted or, or something like that. Um, now, the, the excuse why now it's I'm not at all blaming the Customs and Border Protection Agency because they're the ones who posted it, but they, they were obviously told by the Biden administration to take it down because the Biden administration doesn't want people to think that there are terrorists crossing the border because they want to be able to continue to have open borders and let all these people come in. And so if Americans became worried that there were terrorists coming in as well, we should be worried, um, then there would be more pushback about these open borders. So the excuse that they told the um, Customs and Border Protection Agency to say was that the release was, quote, not properly reviewed and contained certain disclosure and policy information related to national security. I mean, this is just all a cover up. So um, 
The border agents are currently detaining around 5,000 people a day and over 170,000 people arrived in March alone, 170,000. This is the largest total in well over a decade. <clears throat> now, of course, another issue is that there are so many um, children coming across, which boggles my mind, really, because um, how a parent, I mean, I, you know, I'm trying to put myself in the place of a parent, um, sending a child, and they're all ages, some of them are really young, such as teenagers, um, but the idea of, you know, do you send your child with a coyote or somebody um, or by themselves, you know, pointed in the direction of the Mexican border because you want them to have a better life? Do you, is that a sacrifice, a noble sacrifice? Or is that, uh, of course it's illegal, but is that, you know, is that a sign that you really love them? you know, because you're taking them away from the bad situation that are in certain countries, um, not necessarily in Mexico, but in the countries that are sending people into Mexico to then cross the border. Um, you know, is it, a, is it a loving sacrifice? Or I, I don't think that I would ever be able to send my child <clears throat> by themselves, when we know that kids have gotten drowned, they've gotten, they're getting raped, they, um, they, all kinds of horrible things, the chances of, of a horrible thing befalling such a child is great, rather than them coming to America and having a wonderful life. And is it selfish? Are people doing it because um, they want these children to then, uh, you know, grow up and get a job and send money back to them. I mean, not that there's anything wrong with sending money to your parents, wherever they may be in the world, but just the idea of sending your child off when you know that there are all kinds of dangerous things on the on route, no less what we're hearing about happening in the camps, you know, in the um, where the kids are being held. Um, it it just is too. I, there's no way I would be able to do it as a mother and. Um, I just think that it's, it's really sad. So, so now I'm comparing um, the, these two women, the jihadi brides, to these two Yemeni men who had no trouble <laughs> crossing the border and coming in. And, um, and the idea that there was this cover-up, that this press release was removed is very worrying on, for two reasons. One, why delete or remove the great work of the US Border Patrol? You know, they're talking about these two people that they caught and uh, especially one of them where the SIM card will probably reveal some good information, counter uh, terrorism information. Um, and also it is um, confirmation that known or suspected terrorists see the lack of security along the border as an opportunity. I mean, that is something I have been talking about that for quite a while. Um, you know, it's when terrorists, again, terrorists have not stopped planning on, on um, destroying the West. Just because we've been distracted by the pandemic and by politics 
and all kinds of other things. Um, terrorists, and we may not be thinking of terrorists, they are still thinking of us. They have not given up their long, long, long standing plan to destroy the West. And now they see this is a golden opportunity to do so. So bottom line, things have got to change. Um, the, the, the border crisis is a crisis on so many fronts, not least of which is the fact that terrorists are crossing into America with nefarious plans. Thank you for listening to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. If you would like to find out more about terrorism from me, your terrorist therapist, visit my website, terroristtherapist.com. And if you're a parent or teacher and want to build stronger nests for your kids to become more resilient, check out my new award-winning book, Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror. It's the first and only book about terrorism for kids. You can find it wherever books are sold or directly from the publisher at terrorismforkids.com. Terrorism, the number four, kids.com. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. Thank you for listening to the Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. We hope listening to the show has made you feel calmer, more resilient, and more able to reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. You can also check out past shows on Renegade Talk Archives for more insights.